0: Welcome back to I Wasn't Always Like This, an uplifting podcast about living with depression. Season one, Who Am I? Episode six, My First Bad Decision. Don't give up. Don't give in. It's just the journey. There have been a few epically bad decisions I have made in my life. Well, not so much bad as not entirely thought through to their potential outcome decisions. The first of which was my attempt to go to college right out of high school. It was pretty clear early on that I was not what anyone would consider college material. As I recall, there was a conversation between the high school guidance counselor and my mom in which he said something along the lines of, just let her go into theater. That's all she's really good at. However, all of my friends who were mostly at or near the top of the class were going off to college and it just seemed like something everyone did. So I did too now at this point in time i had not had very many on my own away from home experiences yet some visits to sisters at college or abroad a week-long jewish youth group camp experience nothing epic like packing up and moving to a new place to live with people i didn't know i was not looking forward to this at all one of the main reasons that it seemed like a really bad decision was because of something that happened when I was 15. It was a night of two big revelations. The first was that I was not very good at self-harming. I made a valiant attempt at it and learned that it, it wasn't really my thing. My tolerance for pain has grown exponentially since then. However, at 15, hurting myself was challenging. The second revelation was that I needed to make an agreement with myself in order to survive, to make living tolerable. That agreement was this. I would give myself until the age of 30 to decide whether or not I would continue to live. 30 seemed fair. 20 was too young to know anything and anything after 30 would just feel like more torture according to 15 year me. So it would be 30. By then, surely I would have figured something out. That night, I proclaimed this as my contract with myself, with life, with God, with whatever. If my life was not better by my 30th year, I would be allowed to leave. With that agreement in place, going to college seemed ridiculous. Because in my mind, I wouldn't be here after 30. I mean, it sure looked like life was never gonna get better and I was just basically hanging out until it was time for me to go. What was the point of college? More importantly, what was the point of more algebra? Because my grades were so abominable, because again, with the awareness that nothing mattered, the whole when I'm 30 thing, I gave very little thought to school, my options for colleges were definitely limited. At that time, a state school was the only place that would accept me. So first bad decision taking my depressed and slightly psychotic self to the Ohio State University, a college so big it took zero effort to get lost in it. I moved into a dorm that was quite possibly the worst living situation I could have ever been put into. The towers, they were called. The suite consisted of four small rooms that housed four people each encircling a shared living area with a shared bathroom included. I went from living in my childhood home all by myself to living in close quarters with 15 other people in a tower filled with suites of 16 people each. It was a nightmare. Fortunately, our suite was never fully booked. A real blessing. I only remember a couple of the young women I shared space with there. I truly hope they don't remember me. One of the best things was that one of my closest high school friends also came to Ohio State. Unfortunately, her dorm was on the other side of campus. Also, she had a major, a goal, and an excellent work ethic. We hung out as much as we were able to. It was really good that she was there. I registered for classes that first semester and began attending them. That didn't last long though. In my very first class, I met a guy named James. He became a wonderful friend. He was funny and honest and slightly older than me. He worked in the video arcade on the main drag and sold his plasma on a regular basis for extra cash. I remember us laughing a lot together. He seemed to understand who I was and connected with me in a safe, loving, brotherly way. By the middle of the first semester, it was clear to me that I simply did not care about anything school-related, and I was losing any grip I might have had on my mental health. I began to take risks. Two big ones come to mind. The first was a bus ride down to Cincinnati to hang out with a stand-up comic I had met. He was in his 30s. It was 1981, so there was a lot of cocaine, which I did not touch and a lot of bad behavior, which I observed from a distance. This comic taught me a valuable lesson. Be careful when you meet those whom you admire. The second big risk was when I went off to a tiny town in Texas, Palestine, to meet up with an actor one of my sisters had worked with in England. I didn't know this man except for a few letters we had exchanged. I told no one where I was going. I just went. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Very long and very creepy story short, turned out that he was mentally unstable in a whole different way than I was, and I ended up having to literally escape his house in order to save my life. I spent 12 hours on a non-air-conditioned bus riding across Texas to get to Austin where another sister was in law school. She sent me back to Ohio. Looking for love in all the wrong places, as the song goes. Actually, it was more like looking for rescue in all the wrong places. This was a theme that returned again and again in my life, seeking someone, anyone who could and would save me from myself, from my life, from the darkness. When I returned from Texas, I was a mess. I started going to the Dollar a Show movie theater all day long instead of attending the classes I had registered for. I was hanging out with James and my friend from high school and trying not to listen to the voices in my head that were becoming increasingly louder each day. And I began writing letters to my dad. In the spring of 1982, three big things happened. My sister Anita got cancer for the second time and had to have her leg amputated. I met a bass player with beautiful eyes who I thought, once again, would save me from my life. And my mom was getting married. In addition, 1982 meant that it was the seven-year mark for my dad being gone, or it would be that coming September. I've been told that at seven years after a death, there's usually some kind of psychic closure that happens with the person we've lost. I was ready for whatever that might look like. With the depression raging and being overshadowed a bit by the more psychotic symptoms moving in, I was in a very dangerous place. It was in that moment that my dad came to visit me. In a vision that seemed so very real, he offered me the opportunity to join him where he was. I was sitting on my bed He was standing a few feet away, and we had a long talk about me, my feelings, and strangely, his feelings as well. He said that all I needed to do was to take his hand and I would be gone. I would be with him and the pain would all stop. I reached out my hand toward his, and when we were just a breath apart from touching, I felt a moment of doubt A moment of fear. And in that tiny moment, he vanished forever. The grief was deep. I felt regret and sadness, rejection and fear and so much confusion. It was in this moment, along with a few others I will share as my journey continues, that I began to get clear that there is a reason I am here that I have survived so much and continued to pull myself through the darkness and how all of it has taught me, I am here on purpose. We all are truly. There is no non-essential human being. We're like pieces in some cosmic jigsaw puzzle. We're all necessary to complete the picture. We all belong. Every choice, every setback, Every triumphant moment, every painful moment is all part of the life we are here to live. And if this podcast episode proves nothing else, it definitely proves this. All moments pass, the worst ones and the best ones. They all move on to become the next moment, as long as we stay here to experience them. My friend Michael, who you'll hear about next season, wrote these important words in a song. So we live and we learn, but we only learn if we live. Whether you have never experienced depression before and are moving through it now, or if you're like me, living with it every day. In new ways, each and every day, the truth of the title of this podcast holds true. I wasn't always like this. None of us are how we have always been. And that's a good thing, even if it doesn't always feel so good. This is the end of season one. Season two will begin in a couple of weeks. Please keep taking deep breaths. Remember to hydrate and stick with me. I'll be back.